0: Welcome to another episode of Media Literate, a collaborative podcast that now doubly functions as a coven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Witches, bitches. Yeah. I'm not letting that go, by the way. I think it's really cute. Uh, I'm Laura Broman. I'm Kim Henry. And you can follow us on Instagram at Media Literate Podcast uh, and or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts got all the things done. Hell yeah.
1: Wow, that was actually the most efficient opening. Oh fuck, I'm ruining it. Okay. Um.
0: (laughs) Today we have on our friend Daniela Velasco, uh, who's going to talk with us about the films of Pedro Almodovar, who is one of, if not the the most well-regarded Spanish film directors. I, he's among
1: them, yeah. Among them, yeah. Also, quite controversial. Yes. Um, yeah. but that's kind of why we love him.
0: Yes. He's, yeah. He's uh, a perv. Yeah. It's
1: quite-
0: <laughs> and don't we love them when they make films for us? Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna be talking about one of uh, his films, "All About My Mother," um, a film that surprisingly doesn't have much psychoanalysis to talk about.
1: Yeah, we geared up for this pod just like, it's Kim's time to shine. And then I watched the movie and I was like, I don't know what to do
0: with this. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a roller coaster and we didn't know how to react to it. So a lot of the the ensuing episode is just going to be that. Um, Which but, I actually appreciate.
1: I really like yeah. the way that this conversation goes. It's definitely not our usual format where yeah. we're like, here's a question. How do we answer it? Do you want to cite a source? Yeah. Uh, it's more just like, what? What's what Daniela? What did you just make us watch? Yeah. And thank yeah. you. But what?
0: Yeah. And it's nice because it gives us a chance to reflect on our own moms and how hi, mom. awesome they are. And hi mom. My mom
1: listens to this podcast. Who so does mine? It? It's
0: That's wild.
1: I don't understand why. What is
0: Daniela's? Um, <laughs> I don't understand why. Yeah, I, I don't know. Continue listening
1: um, to this podcast, everyone who's not my mom, and also my mom too. <laughs>
0: so with that um we uh have our regular housekeeping out of the way I feel almost a little like light on my feet like oh it's like wow. spring cleaning you know it's it's almost spring and and we're you know
1: that's really surprising given the the hangover that you are currently dealing I, with
0: <laughs> that was before we called action that I was talking about that sorry it's also okay. nice because we're going to be drinking in the episode, so <laughs> I want to be clear that this is not from that. This is from drinking a different time. Anyway, uh, Cannon Fodder, right? What'd you watch?
1: Excellent. We've entirely given up on the air horns. It's just like, uh, look, you well, fucking it really do it. hurts
0: my pounding head
1: to do oh, it right I'm, now. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, indeed, Cannon Fodder. So I finally did the thing that honestly, this movie might be the reason that canon fodder exists because Ooh. i have thought about this movie and i've thought about watching it so many goddamn times and i think i've mentioned it several times on this podcast in the context of Canon fodder like maybe we'll do it hmm. um i watched francis ford coppola's apocalypse now <laughs> anyways it's much better than my pronunciation it's actually it's quite hey. yeah yeah no, okay so this is actually this is a big deal I'm really excited about this movie because Yay. I loved it I, ah. I think this is the first cannon fodder movie that I've been like yes yeah Fuck yes this rocks um
0: yeah. I gotta and- say I'm really glad to hear that because a part of me I've been like telling you to watch it like I just think it's really really good it's my favorite Coppola movie and I was worried that we were gonna get here and you're gonna be like what I did when I to everybody I knew who liked Reservoir Dogs where I was like what the fuck is wrong with you so
1: (laughs) I uh, mean stand by that people who still like Reservoir Dogs what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) um but this movie is it's weird to say that it rocks because it's so devastating spiritually um but like It's sort of like, um, what's the last one that I only got like 80% of the way through? Goodfellas. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like Goodfellas where it's like, I recognize the exact moments where uh, the men who I don't enjoy talking with were like, this is what's good about this movie. And I'm like, no, no, Um, the, the surfing colonel guy who like, this movie i that actor is he plays uh dads in things a lot which uh means i have feelings about him and it was very weird seeing him that young but mm. he, the guy who's just like he's in charge of the air people and he's the one who puts on the speakers The i love
0: the smell of napalm in the morning oh uh, robert duvall
1: yeah that guy oh god um and he sucks balls yeah. so hard and I hate him so much. And yet he also is like being a dick in the way that I think a lot of young men's coaches are dicks to them. Yeah. Uh, so they're just like trained to like him. But watching him and feeling uh, vaguely superior about myself, I was like,
0: I recognize that you suck. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and it was great. Uh, just like also the sound design. I've oh, been, my God. Yeah, I I decided to finally watch this movie because i was watching a documentary about sound design and Mm -hmm. it was mentioned in it a bunch of times and i was like you know what now that i have seen the death of one of the two black characters already played in a clip in this movie i can emotionally deal with watching the movie (laughs) it's like all right i know which black guys are gonna die i don't even know what like all of them right (laughs) it's cool i guess um yeah it just made me so sad and so in awe the whole time um and the reveal of marlon brando at the end is also just like i'm so glad i waited for you Yeah. (laughs) like he is worth the wait um yeah which i didn't expect
0: it's all so good and i like um i feel like a lot of movies that we talk about like Goodfellas say are doing a thing where they like are trying to tell you that something's bad but they make it look so awesome like yeah crime crime doesn't pay kids like yeah but it's so cool look at that
1: look at that freeze um, frame wow yeah. Ray Liotta's almost hot at this angle
0: yeah <laughs> but Apocalypse Now is like no this really doesn't look fun this legitimately you've managed to capture the feeling of, of descending into hell and that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive I also think I say this with absolutely Uh, no background knowledge but I heard heard from someone once Mm -hmm. that Apocalypse Now is the first movie to have like a dedicated sound designer I don't know if that's true but Dan, this uh this is
1: really regrettable that I already mentioned I watched this in the context of a sound documentary because I can't remember they mentioned that I think it did really really change the game though for sound in a pretty massive way um and they like they even had like There was one person for the boat they're like, you're the boat sound person and you deal with the boat. And then there's one person for the helicopter. They so had a you're the boat helicopter.
0: guy. Yeah. yeah, Oh yeah.
1: I want to be someone's boat guy one day. Not really, that sounds like a really devastatingly boring job. But that person
0: loved it. She was
1: so excited about the boat. She loved making the boat go vroom. And I'm so happy for her because it worked so
0: well. <laughs> I'm so happy there was a woman involved in the production uh, of this film. I it's know, shocker, right?
1: So
0: uh-huh. Yeah. Um Yeah, you know, I I feel like Apocalypse Now does for me what The Godfather does for some people where Mm -hmm. like I watch The Godfather and I'm like, I get why it's a good movie. I just don't, it doesn't, it's not working on me. Uh Apocalypse Now, I remember when I watched it uh, and I was over at a friend's house and my roommate left because she was incredibly bored. And like, I got (laughs) home, but she was like, like, so how was the rest of the movie? And I sat on the kitchen floor and I was just like that was a movie and (laughs) it was lovely it was like it was it was one of the like oh shit I do like these yeah yeah that that
1: definitely that hit for me um when I (laughs) I have ADHD I have probably brought it up several times on this podcast but like first time listeners what's up and I really watch movies like someone with ADHD where I'll like take a really long time to actually start the movie and then as soon as I sit down and press play I'm like oh five more things I have to do Mm -hmm. and I'll just let the opening moments kind of roll through while I'm getting a snack or getting a fork for my lunch that I set up but I forgot everything but the fork and walking back Mm -hmm. and forth between the living room and the kitchen Mm -hmm. and I did that with this and then I like slowly stop. like the pace between the living room and the kitchen kept getting slower as I was like what's happening what's happening and then the opening <laughs> shot is like it's palm trees it's palm yeah. trees it's fire yeah uh, and I was like okay I am I understand usually uh, there's there's a part of my brain that is much more plot oriented than like cinema oriented mm-hmm. um so Usually I won't rewind for those things because I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it's palm trees, palm trees, fire. I understand what that's telling me about like the the emotional landscape of war. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh this time I was just like, ah, fuck, I gotta go back and watch that. So I <laughs> went back, sat down and actually stayed on the couch. Yeah. And was like, okay, palm trees, palm trees,
0: palm trees, palm trees,
1: fire. <laughs> okay,
0: woo. Love
1: it. So yeah, this is a pro apocalypse now. Um household officially yay. though I have a hard time uh letting go of ironically claiming that uh Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula is not (sighs) the best Francis Ford Coppola film because like it's
0: sorry it's I need to clarify it's actually Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula because that's the actual title of it yeah
1: I was like there's something missing here what's why does this not
0: it doesn't have the the rhythm. full rhythm. It yeah, really yeah. Does. You need
1: to like. There's like a pentameter to it, or an an iambic meter. No, I'm gonna. I'm disappointing all of my poetry professors from undergrad right now. uh So much movie in that movie. Are you counting out the meter? It is.
0: Wait, I've gotta look this up. Whoever's in charge of editing. Can't support out Coppola's,
1: Bram Stoker's, Chris
0: yeah, see, not so it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ooh, I don't remember. Ooh, ooh.
1: Love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey guys, this is an audio medium. We're doing
0: it. You're listening okay, for the meter, right? This is this is dactylic tetrameter. I think That's so hot. I just poured Coppola's Bram Dracula.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Say say whatever type of meter that was again. I think I just got wet. Oh my god! I just remembered my mom listens to this podcast. <laughs> But also say it again.
0: Dacdylic tetrameter.
1: Ugh. okay. Well, on that note, moms?
0: <laughs> this one's for you, I guess. <laughs> uh, I gotta go back to sleep. And we are back. Uh, Daniella is with us now. Hello, Daniella. Hello, hello, Laura, hello, Kim. Hello. <laughs> you have not been bodies. on the main pod since the first season, if I do recall. Um, everyone, go listen to her snack episode with Colton. It was a good one. Was-
1: Wait, actually, I I just said that Daniela. <laughs> what was your snack episode with Colton about? That's totally okay because I was trying to remember
2: too. It was about <laughs> um, the Chicano uh, film movement.
0: Nice. oh that sounds dope okay yeah, go listen to that um but so we are going to talk about um a film that Kim and I simply did not understand
1: <laughs> yeah I uh, literally just finished it and I'm like
0: we are about uh, hmm. two months away from completing our master's degrees in cinema and media studies and we did not understand this film so we uh, had a whole, like, outline that we were going to go through with Daniela, but it's I was going to talk about
1: psychoanalysis. Was we really can maybe excited. still bring that
0: in if we could actually it's figure out- It's not relevant moment. today.
1: Yeah. I can't figure it out.
0: <laughs> so uh, for context, the film is All About My Mother by Pedro Almodovar, and- Which you would assume would lend itself to psychoanalysis, <laughs> no? And- it may still again. It just was way over our heads. We are <laughs> we are dum dums. So instead, we decided to have um, a you know a couple drinks and just have a nice little chat about mothers and movies. Um, oh, yeah. We're not going to say what time of day it is or what day <laughs> of the week it is, but uh, we'll have a nice little you know drinks and chat. I think the thing that I love the most about Film school, film study schools—is is this part of it? Getting to hang out with smart people and talk about movies over some beers. So, uh, yeah, why don't we yeah, talk I've about done that enough? I know. Ah, that so... should have been the point of this whole podcast. We loved <laughs> it, you guys. <laughs> Who needs to talk about like academic stuff? Um, cite your sources, bitches. Yeah. So, all about my mother. Tell me all about your guys's mothers. This is so exciting. Yeah, Daniela, why don't you go? For, this was your, uh, your idea. So
1: yeah, you wanted to talk moms. Let's go.
0: Okay, I
1: feel
2: like, um, I might as well get a master's in motherhood because <laughs> that's all I've done the past two years is talk about my mom because, um, she's. I mean, I don't want to say she's a reason I'm in film school, but she's definitely the reason I love movies. We. I'm not joking. We literally went to the movies every weekend. Sometimes. Uh, saturday and sunday um whether or not we actually wanted to watch a movie we just like it was practically a ritual at one point um so my initial the initial genesis for this idea was to talk about melodrama and motherhood Mm -hmm. um ranging from uh probably like the movie that my mom and i love the most is uh or one of the movies that we talk about the most is mommy dearest
1: um, about uh, Joan that Crawford. A, um, that's a very intense mother-daughter relationship <laughs> yeah. in a bad way, no?
2: <laughs> oh, for sure. And then I wanted to like stretch it out to Ladybird, which is mm. um, very white, but also captures motherhood very beautifully. That really mm. like struck me because uh, specifically in the line when um, Laurie Metcalf's character says, um what did she say oh I love you but I don't always like you yeah, yeah. and then that made me really like realize like shit my mom's a person <laughs> like <laughs> just because she gave birth to me doesn't mean she has to like me all the time and honestly I could be a major bitch a <laughs>
1: um, who among us who
0: <laughs> among us can cast the first stone there yeah but no. then it
1: It'd be funny um no. Oh, I don't want to like steamroll you to talk about how awesome my relationship with my mother is. So. <laughs> but that's always what I come up with whenever anyone brings up Ladybird. But <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, it's okay. Um but yeah, no, I have a really amazing relationship with my mom. She's a single mother, so um I don't celebrate her on Father's Day, which I think is Um, I mean, in terms of my relationship with my dad, I don't think it's necessary for me to completely ignore him (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and celebrate my mom on both days. But um, she's been mother and father to me for like the entirety of my life. And she's kind of the greatest human being on the planet. And I know everyone says their mother is a best mother. Um, I don't have the worldwide knowledge to objectively say that, but my mom is the best mother to me. Aww. Um. Um. So this this um is dedicated to her, um, and the reason why I wanted to focus on on was because he's one of the, one of one of our filmmakers and um a filmmaker that's really special to her because, um, her mother figure wasn't her, um, biological mother but her mm. um oldest sister who um passed away, um during. 2020 the greatest year on the planet oh wow um, and that's um so this is for both of them
0: yeah
2: um and yeah that's my
1: relationship with my mom I guess so
2: yeah Kim, I would love to hear you <laughs> you're lovely well-
1: I also think my mom's the best mom, but now I feel like an <laughs> asshole if I'm like, no, mom. no, I mean,
2: that's totally fair to say. Like when people say their mom is their best mom, I always like, I'm like, yeah, your mom is a best mom and my yeah. mom is a best mom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, the motherhood, like the number one mom pie has infinite slices to give out. It's not like a zero sum game. Um, but yeah, that line in Ladybird really stuck out to me at that moment and made me realize how special my relationship with my mother is mm. because, shit, should we release this on Mother's Day? Okay, moving on. <laughs> the other issue is I have no idea when Mother's Day is. I thought it was in March, but no, we <laughs> ended up with International Women's Day. It's Women's Month, right? I don't know. Wow, the feminists would totally cancel me for <laughs> equating femininity or womanhood. Yeah, with motherhood. Yeah, oh yeah. God. But no, like I remember I was on vacation with uh, my family, visiting family in Jamaica and talking with my mom about something. I can't remember what it was. I think it was that there was like a, a new aunt who I had met who was like cool and young and pretty. And like, I was just like, Oh my God, I was obsessed with her. And at a certain point I like went back to my mom and I was like, Hey, I'm sorry if I've been ignoring you. and like, I don't mean to do that. And she was like, no, I like watching you have fun, you know, like I, I like you a lot, but I, I get why other people like you want to hang out with other people sometimes. Aww. And then in like a couple seconds, she was like, oh, shit, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I love you a lot. <laughs> and I was like. No, I, I, th- I think we like each other a lot, too. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm cool with that. I kind of like that you said that. hmm. And I was in like middle school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was definitely at the point where, you know, there's, there's a point where it, you're really young and it makes sense to really like your mother. And when you're older and it's like nice, if you have a really strong connection and like friendship or relationship with your mother, but then there's a chunk in the middle where like, if you maintain that, it's kind of weird. <laughs> And I think we were kind of weird. Like, we used to walk. We would take my dog on walks, and we would walk arm in arm, and that just became how we walked together. Oh. So I would like be at the mall with her, and just like walking arm in arm, and worried like a part of my brain would be like, "Oh my god, people think I'm so lame! Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like 14. I'm like holding like it's like holding your mom's hand." I was like, mm-hmm. oh god. "But then I realized, a I hit puberty very young, so I looked much older than a 14 year old, and b I'm brown." And she's white. So it just looked like a weird, like, <laughs> intergenerational, interracial friendship between women. <laughs> As opposed to, like, other teens seeing me in the mall being like, oh, <laughs> is she <laughs> linking arms with her mother? They were more like, that well, what's, that? what's going on with that dynamic? <laughs> that- <laughs> yeah. Still a weird dynamic, but less
0: judgy mm.
1: for me. Um, yeah. yeah. What about you, Laura?
0: Well, it's funny that you, like, what you just said right there, because that whole, like, in-between thing where teenagers will be like, you don't understand me, mom. You're so embarrassing. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't have that, mainly because I didn't have friends during that time. So my mom (laughs) was my friend. I was just talking about this with Kim, because I was, uh, I was yesterday, I think, on a flight, um, and I watched... (laughs) I'm trying to decide what movie to watch. It's like, should I watch a new one? And instead, I watched The Hunger Games, which is it's like I don't know. Movie, yeah. I actually, I still like it. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm waiting for the moment where I realize it's actually really bad. But anyway, mm-hmm. I suddenly had this because I've been thinking about this this uh episode and thinking about like our, like how do we watch movies with our moms? Because like Daniela, you had said before that like that was a big thing with you and your mom. And I had been like. I don't think I have that with my mom. Like my dad is uh, sort of more of a movie buff. And so I think more about the things that I watched with him. Um, And then I was watching the hunger games and I remembered, like, Oh wait, no, I watched so many movies with my mom, especially in theaters because like I didn't have other friends. So she was like, yeah, I'll go see the hunger games with you in like, when I was like 16 or whatever, Um, which was really lovely. And super nice and so like like yeah probably like I owe some of like wanting to do this to my mother and to like that uh that relationship I had with her going to see movies in theater with her and kind of just like all of the the girly things that you typically do with friends <laughs> this is such a sad thing to say <laughs> I mean <laughs> but, like, I like my mom I went yeah. and got manicures with her I like I don't know. I think that's the thing.
1: I've heard of, I've heard of like teenagers getting manicures with their moms. If that makes you feel better.
0: Yeah. It, it, it doesn't because I know the reality of like, but also, I mean, I do think it's nice. Like, I'm really glad that I had that like relationship with her and like, I'm still really close to her. So Mm -hmm. it worked out. It's just like, you know, it is a like important part of the reason that I like movies, I think. And so that's Nice and definitely sad, but also nice. My mom too.
1: So, <laughs> so are you hoping that she does listen to this or doesn't listen to I this? don't know. I'm <laughs> like on the one hand, that's a really sweet thing to be like my mom was my friend when I didn't have friends. Still sad, but also very sweet. <laughs> but then on the <laughs> other hand, that's such a like classic like ungrateful child thing yeah. of like I didn't watch movies with my mom like my dad likes movies like that's yeah. the thing that we do together and just completely repressing all of the years where you were like I didn't have friends so my mom went to the movies <laughs> like what yeah, no, I've heard I, of her I don't think the Hunger Games is her bag <laughs> I don't
0: know I mean it had like Katniss had a mom right
1: <laughs> so there was like at least one point of relation for her she was like
0: oh that's my end Katniss's mom no I do think that I'm every so often I think I'll like tell her like I am like really grateful for the things you did when I was a child and then like the other 98% of the time I'm like probably super just like ungrateful and you know (laughs) because what child isn't um but
1: anyway speaking of ungrateful children what about all the dead ones in this
0: movie Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I guess we can get into the movie now because (laughs) I mean, one thing that uh, I guess one starting point from what I had just said and kind of what all of us were just saying was that uh, the the primary character in this movie, a woman named Manuela has a son, Esteban, who uh, really wants to be a writer and they are really they go to the theater together and they watch a streetcar named desire together and mm. he's like a really big fan of uh the actress who plays blanche dubois in the streetcar named desire and it's kind of like seems to be partly because of her manuela's own history with that play so that's really lovely um i guess i kind of get that one plot point of this movie but it, <laughs> the rest of it is okay so like what is it about it's about
1: it's about Manuela. She's Man- a mom.
0: She is a mom to Esteban, who dies very immediately. Esteban dies after they go see a streetcar named Desire. And because he can't freaking look
1: both ways when he, he he's incapable street. of looking <laughs> he both ways. Really like twice in this movie. <laughs> he was just like, nah? oh no, a car. <laughs> the second time was the last time. <laughs> god that stark. so anyway
0: uh she manuela goes to find the parent of esteban the other parent who is mm-hmm. a transgender woman named lola and along the way encounters some other people and it's a very winding film and i would love daniela if you would like to break down kind of what this is about yeah and oh. <laughs> how it connects to kind of you and your own like experience with film and your mom just start talking about all of that please <laughs> we're great interviewers
2: <laughs> i think it would be helpful to look at the the dedication at the end of the movie
1: which is Ooh, i'm mm-hmm. gonna rudimentary um i think i might actually have it up on my computer because i once again literally just finished this movie um okay so to bet davis gina Rollins and Romy Schneider. Betty Davis. <laughs> okay, sorry. well, fine. Fuck me. Okay. I mix her up with Betty. She's a never. melodrama
2: queen. Like, I can't. I'm
1: okay, sorry. I'm. I'm, oh. I'm <laughs> so, you know what? Fine, you fucking read it. You, we'll take the time. You can Google it. I'm literally looking at it on my screen, but I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Davis's name. Not, oh, I'm like. Okay, so uh, (laughs) like no, no, no. Wait, I don't want this bitch to read it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's um, to all the actresses who have played actresses, to all the women who act, to all the men who act, and then uh, convert. That's not the right word. To who? uh, My YouTube video
1: said become. Oh, become probably women. better uh, a, a less icky translation from the 90s thank you um
2: and then to all the people who want to be mothers and then uh, a mi madre to my mother um so like to me this film and i've read a lot of interpretations of this movie but i'm just gonna say mine um, which is the most important one obviously, obviously.
0: <laughs> yes. and the With- only correct one of
2: course
0: there are many opinions in
2: the world and for my life
0: yes
2: (laughs) ours were the only correct ones Mm -hmm. um so it's to to mothers to women um and uh to men i don't want to say to men who could who want to be women but what i really like about the part where he says um to all the people who want to be women is uh, to all like the people in general, regardless of gender, who mm. wish women. And then I also pulled this quote that he says, um, there's this erroneous belief that the desire for motherhood is something feminine, which I think is really interesting, despite the fact that other than this movie, most of his, his movies that deal with motherhood um, tend to be focused on people who identify as, as women, Okay so I'll just start off with that and then in terms of this movie what I really like is that it's really twisty and turny I know that there's this one part where it seems almost as if um so after her son dies his organs um are are donated to he's a, yeah. he, he,
0: he, oh I, totally I thought it was gonna be like
1: 21 old. grams and that she was gonna follow that guy and then have an affair with him and that was gonna be the all about my like ew there was so, that's weird okay, okay first of like, all I love that's, that's that could not the really weirdest out. thing that i um, has ever done <laughs> <Yeah>. at all <laughs> sorry sorry it's it actually good. very on brand for him yeah <laughs> And secondly, there's already a movie about that, except instead of a mom, it's a dead wife. But like, could it be a mom as easily given the fucked up dudes who make films? Okay, yes. wait, is that the Evergreen
0: Green movie? Okay, wait, getting back on track. <laughs> <Thank you. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is lovely, but I want to c- come back. To Truly, it. what is this movie about? Uh, yes. So uh, Esteban's organs are donated. Um, mm-hmm. let's go back okay. to that
2: yeah and so the his mother manuela follows uh the person who receives his heart just to look at him and then Mm -hmm. like at that point you kind of think it's gonna like as kim said you'd think that he's she's gonna end up having an affair with that man but uh it doesn't she ends up going to kind of to fulfill this promise that she had given to him on his birthday that i'll finally tell you who your father was because initially mm-hmm. she said that your father is dead which mm-hmm. in a sense if you think about um think about it in terms of gender like the the male connection that his father had to himself is dead mm-hmm. because she is now the trans woman lola mm-hmm. um, So she goes to find Lola, um, and along the way, she runs into uh, Agrado, which was another trans woman that they were friends with. Um, And then she ends up becoming the personal assistant to um, uh, the character's name is Espuma Roja, which translates to red smoke. Um, Mm. The actress has uh, bright red hair. Um, So for the listeners. yeah, Yeah. Um,
1: Another trans woman. Who is also the woman who he who her son died chasing mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie to get her autograph.
2: Yeah, something that's really great about um al-moldavar's movies is that he he puts trans women in roles of just like mm-hmm. women in general without mm-hmm. having to necessarily
1: state that they're women. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like a I think if anyone is listening to this who has seen Almodovar's movies and who loves them or hates them, who identifies as trans or not, but cares about the trans people in their lives, this is a man who made most of his movies in the 90s in, like, a very different cultural Mm -hmm. landscape than where the U.S. was in the 90s. He makes them mostly in Spain. Um, And, like, there is a lot that does not age well mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's it's difficult but important to hold both of those truths so if you're listening to this and you're like you're talking about omotovar's trans representation quote-unquote trans representation like ugh, it's it's more complicated than that um but i think like okay. there is something really beautiful like you were saying daniella to the <laughs> the way that he just sort of portrays trans women in life living their lives
2: Mm -hmm. well also uh almodovar is very controversial point blank
1: Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah fair
2: that i don't like there have been multiple times where i try to do an almodovar marathon but i i can't because one of the themes that is constant in all his films is rape and Mm -hmm. it's i just can't do it Yeah, Um, But also speaking to Kim, what you just said, um, he also came out of um, like Spain had just come out of uh, a dictatorship when Mm -hmm. Francisco Franco um, finally died in 1975. And so there was this whole cultural revolution, um, something that uh, England um, and America had already gone through in terms of like the psychedelic 60s and 70s or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. In 1975, when the dictator finally died, they had this whole cultural revolution called La, La, La Movida, let me, sorry. Um, La Movida Madrileña, um, and- uh, What does
1: that translate to?
2: Uh, it's based. it's mostly just called the movement. Um, Ooh, that's very it, cool. Yeah, like the, the center of it was in, in Madrid and in Spain um and so like it was this whole kind of like after years and years of repression after the spanish civil war um there was a, like a lot of of color a lot of uh transgressiveness in terms of sexuality in terms of uh themes um but al in particular was very like transgressive in terms mm-hmm. of his um of what he defined as sexuality and he like didn't like being considered a gay filmmaker because for is he gay? yeah he's gay mm-hmm. that I don't know why I even asked that question <laughs> <laughs> he was bisexual for a time until he was just like you know what I'm it's uh, sexuality is a spectrum I'm I'm an older man now
1: and I'm I I'm... fucking love people who are bisexual for a time I want to <laughs> reclaim it that's like it is a phase mom even in the movie manuela says every
2: every woman's a little gay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i wanted to applaud that but my uh somewhat conservative roommates were there so i just
1: mentally did i love how you were not willing to applaud this movie in front of your somewhat conservative roommates but you were willing to watch the movie in front of you like this wild watch it but this, this is an endorsement (laughs) i I know how i am (laughs) so i want to talk a little bit about the short amount of time that esteban the protagonist's son is on screen Mm -hmm. because i came to this like when we first talked about what this episode was going to be Mm -hmm. we said it was going to be like a a sort of there would be a psychoanalytic bent and so as soon as you say that my mind goes to the place where (laughs) Most people's minds go to when they hear Freud, which is our our classic Oedipal complex, Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: has, you know, like, I love psychoanalysis, Laura, you room with me, I make everything about psychoanalysis, Mm -hmm. but I've definitely, like, focused more on, like, the dad's angle as a bisexual who is still unpacking my reliance on male validation, but... Like there was a second where I like legit forgot about the other half of the edipal complex, which is like moms, and I think it's really interesting that in culture there's there's sort of a precedent for women to have parental issues with the sort of like opposite sex parent. Uh, like oh yeah, women have daddy issues, mm-hmm. and you can be a woman and have daddy issues and still be fuckable essentially in our <laughs> culture. Um it's like a risky fuck but you could you could still go there uh but I think for men having so much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a risky fuck but I'll take it me speaking Thank to all of my past that. sexual partners um still That's fuckable it's
1: just a risky one <laughs> um but you know daddy issues is something that kind of has precedent in our culture for women but men with mommy issues are pretty consistently serial killers Mm. um at least in the culture right
0: yeah and
1: so even though there's this like established trope and I think this also has something to do with like the deep uh problematic patriarchy that infuses the history of western literature but there's a trope of like this attraction trauma that needs to be unpacked yada yada between daughters and fathers but when it comes to sons and mothers we're just like whoa why do you like her like this is I don't know about this and and it feels transgressive in a way Mm. that like You can call someone daddy in bed but as soon as you say mommy it's like whoa (laughs) I'm gonna need you to reel it in here for me like is this a (laughs) is this a psycho sort of thing like where's (laughs) Hitchcock is he hiding in this room right now
0: I will say watching watching the opening of the movie when um when they're like it's before Esteban dies manuela and astroban are sitting on uh the couch together watching some melodrama movie uh with bette davis is that she in that it's not
1: bette davis it's betty davis (laughs) Um, (laughs) no but
0: and i remember like there's just kind of like a nice like medium close on the two of them and i was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa, what's this yeah because i do think i mean there is something about the way that like you're primed to kind of be like (laughs) like
1: Get away but, from her. What's, what's you're your, a man with
0: your mom, dude. Like you're 18. How dare you be close to your mom? I say like as I talk about going like going yeah. to watch movies with my mom because like of, cl- of course I was close to her. So, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And there is a scene like again, I came into this movie expecting it. I think rightly by the way because it's called All About My Mother. So it posits a, especially because Almodovar is a man and he's the author, like the known author and auteur of this film. It posits him as sort of like your point of central identity in relation to his mother, right? So I was like, okay, so this is going to be some weird thing about this kid being like really into his mom or whatever. Okay. At, in that same two shot of them on the couch, he says something about like having a big dick or like she says she like if he keeps eating or like spending her money or whatever that he's going to have to like go work on the streets and he'll need to put on some more pounds and he's like you don't need more pounds for that you just need a big dick and she's like When did you learn to talk like that? And they're so close to each other when this happens. Uh, I was like, okay, it's happening. And then right before (laughs) he runs into the street like a freaking maniac for some lady's autograph, Manuela tells him, okay, when we get home, I'm going to tell you about your father. Happy 18th birthday, yada, yada. And he gives her this kiss on the cheek that is, it's like a very long, it's, it's a passionate kiss on the cheek in a way that is like, i'm sorry that's your that's your mom (laughs) what okay daniela has thoughts on us
0: just absolutely ruining this movie that she holds dearly and loves watching with her mom (laughs) (laughs) sorry
2: jump in here daniela okay so i'm I'm thinking about like all of our conversations in past classes where we talk about death to the author and all that stuff Mm. um but also this is made in spain and um another uh, the most recent amoldovan movie mothers uh parallel uh, mothers um something that really struck for
1: moms sorry
2: <laughs> yeah moms is a major theme within all his movies along with rape um so <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have baggage don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um something that struck me while watching the movie i was like damn she's just kissing everyone's cheeks like all the time and i was like oh that's spain and Mm -hmm. even though i'm i'm mexican my parents immigrated from mexico um they're both legal residents don't come after me please (laughs) um uh like that's not something i i mean i grew up with like kissing all my family members on the cheek like that but Mm -hmm. like in spain it's so like it's not just your family members it's to like random ass strangers mm-hmm. technically on the street yeah so mm-hmm. that's kind of what I wanted to add is like there's that again like that blurring of 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 sexuality and um familiarity is a lot mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a lot stronger in Spanish culture and it's really interesting how it translates to American culture especially since on is, is pretty is very popular in the U.S. I mean mm-hmm. he has whole ass uh quote unquote exhibition um at the academy museum Mm -hmm. too
0: it's a really good point to say like when we say like the author is dead it's like big 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 asterisk like cultural context still matters though Mm -hmm. definitely Um, so that's a really good point and i think it kind of uh speaks to how in the movie there is this kind of very much a blending that happens in like kind of inherently in a lot of queer movies of like the public and private and kind of the familial and the Mm non-familial in a way that in sort of normative, at least American culture, kind of like, like, stop that. No. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) It's a very build the wall kind of vibe, but just like around mm -hmm. like, like, nope, this is the silo for family relationships. And this is the silo for friend relationships. And this is the silo for sexual relationships. Exactly. And never the twain shall meet yeah like yeah man. no
0: it kind of that sort of reminds me of this reddit post i saw once i think it was on ask men or something like that where it was like at what age is it considered weird to hug and kiss your child and then like the the poster goes in and is like you know, like I like have a little daughter at home and like I, she always loves me. Like She's like a two-year-old. I love giving her like a hug and a kiss when I, before I leave for work and she loves it. And I'm just like wondering like, at what point does that get weird? You know, like at what point are you just like not supposed to do that anymore? And then there's like a break and then he's like edits the post and he's like, oh, okay, so apparently um, everybody in the comments is telling me that it's actually never weird. There's no age at what point it like becomes weird to hug and kiss your child. And I actually just have a really, uh, complex relationship with my father that I need to address in therapy so thanks everybody (laughs) it's just like you love to see Mm -hmm. uh very sad for that guy but
1: yeah and also for America though because that's like that's I remember that was something that my brother and dad had and that like even me and my dad have where I think Jamaicans are you know just again it's another culture it's less I can't say it's less repressive because the Anglican church is a hoof (laughs) <laughs> oh boy um but you know family relationships operate differently and like physicality and the ability to like be intimate with someone operates differently and mm-hmm. like I remember the point at which my brother stopped kissing my dad goodbye when we like said bye for the the plain mm-hmm. home hashtag divorced kids <laughs> children of divorced parents <laughs> <laughs> uh for all my homies of divorced parents do a dab uh, as you listen to this (laughs) (laughs) you know like there is that that like immediate discomfort like we're constantly policing for like is that is that appropriate is that appropriate Mm -hmm. but also i do want to say like almodovar how many times does mother come up in your titles of your films (laughs) (laughs) we've got three so far no
0: parallel mothers all about my mother
1: Volver is about his mother oh yeah yeah the guy's got mommy issues so okay maybe he just wants to honor women Kim god (laughs) I'm just a feminist killjoy I don't believe that men can honor women
0: without having like deep psychological problems (laughs) so uh back to the movie I mean there are a lot of different ways that motherhood takes form and also just relationships between women um Like, we see sort of queer relationships. We see, like, Manuela's relationship with Lola, which is very fraught. And then also her relationship to Rosa, who is a- Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz, who- Oh, have we not talked about her yet? Oh my God. So this is a big part of it. So she has, Rosa has a, also had a sexual- Who's a nun? What? Who's a Uh, nun? She's a nun, which is never really addressed, but she's a nun who had a, a sexual relationship with Lola. Like Manuela, and is also pregnant from it. Like Manuela, ends up dying
1: from either the pregnancy or
0: the AIDS. Uh,
1: yeah, so, I, this is this is also the nineties. <laughs> so, right.
0: so have fun, you guys. She ends up dying in the process of giving birth to uh, her child, who also then is named Esteban. Um, and the third, the third Esteban, because Lola's uh, dead name is Esteban. Uh, manuela's son is esteban rose's son is esteban i'm just saying things that were interesting about the movie and i would like you to put together into a puzzle piece resembling like a clear picture daniela because it was it's all interesting points i'm just like what was that
2: one of the reasons that this movie stood out to me so much is um i'm blanking on the actress's name so i'm gonna punch myself in the face later but um the actress who plays manuela i think does a really good job and kind of like balancing the distress and kind of the calmness Mm -hmm. um and I feel like she represents the ideal of the perfect mother because she says that she would like literally do anything for her son Mm -hmm. um, which is probably why this is one of my favorite movies of his because um I know my mom would like literally sacrifice everything for me which i take advantage of sometimes
1: sorry mom i know you're gonna listen to this um thanks for uh being a regular listener though yeah. daniella's mom what's oh yeah, she name? loves this podcast shout
2: out to shout out to my mom and moms wait what's her name uh carmen
0: carmen Hi, carmen. carmen
1: thank you for listening yeah these strangers, strangers are really happy of, that you exist yes. oh, yeah oh <laughs>
2: Um, she's gonna be excited to meet you guys and graduation or whatever we're doing
1: ah! well
2: yeah like I really like how it's twisty and turny and I don't know like again that 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 Almodovar kind of like tries to push boundaries in a way that doesn't seem at least to me not very like too outlandish once you get into kind of his cinematic universe his mm-hmm. um, <laughs> ACU Almodovar cinematic universe I love it love it um that is it's just kind of natural it's almost like magical realism but uh, mm. like with with gender and sexuality being the, the magical aspect to it holy shit that
1: is that's, actually a really perfect description yeah, that's beautiful
0: <laughs> oh wow Thank sexual you. realism Ooh. oh no that doesn't that doesn't work sexual magical real sexual surrealism no not surrealism i don't want
1: to sexual magic
0: Sexual magic. It's, this is oh, a, a second coven meeting. This is welcome to our, uh, welcome back to our coven.
1: Oh yeah, Daniela, do you want to be a member of our coven?
0: Yeah, absolutely I do. You didn't even <laughs> a- need to ask me that. I
2: would have just like woken up with some weird scar on my chest. and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that is how it works. Yes, there's yeah. a branding process. Um, <laughs> I do think though that um, the way that he plays on the, the real tense in between of relationships and of love in its many forms. Like this is a movie, I think, in many ways about familial love. There's not really a central romantic plot line. And even among people who have had like, there are various like sexual triangles, mm-hmm. but at no point is there really a romance plot. Um, and I think he plays with that really well. Um, mm mm-hmm. My favorite Amodavar movie is uh, one of Daniela's not favorite ones, which is <laughs> Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. And I think in similar ways, he like totally different subjects tie me up tie me down is about antonio banderas kidnapping this actress who he's obsessed with after escaping from a mental institution until she falls in love with him and they get married and as soon as they get married and she's like i'm gonna bring you home to my family it's very clear that she is completely unhappy with this choice uh and there's just something about the way that he plays with the the underside of love that we don't want to talk about and that we don't want to address and it's so common i think for men to fuck that up in filmmaking and make it and make it like entirely within the realm of gendered exploitation that filmmaking has largely been built on mm. and he's able to deal with that underside and deal with those twists and the reversals and the oppositions and contradictions of desire Um, outside of that particularly fucked up. I mean, he's definitely fucked up, but so am I. So I appreciate it. Exactly, yeah. But like, he does it in a way that doesn't feel so connected to the like patriarchal dominance of Hollywood.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear you describe the plot of Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, not having seen it myself, because I'm like, wow, a cis heterosexual couple in- (laughs) these in that movie like that's just like oh yeah not what i'm used to from like the limited access i've had to pedro motivar so yeah i mean and it sounds miserable so uh (laughs) why even bother
1: it is both sexy and miserable which i think (laughs) is how you could largely describe life
0: sometimes yeah always maybe but um no i think i really like the idea of this movie as being kind of about the like a queer familial love where like you know there are all these kinds of uh shifting dynamics uh as you at the end of the movie manuela kind of takes custody of the the um, new she kidnaps that baby well so that's don't the baby. say it like that laura she stole that baby <laughs> she stole the baby but it's also like she i mean according to legally stole the baby from <laughs> from his grandmother who was kind of awful right she was mm-hmm. like she was really like rosa's mother is is like kind of a terrible person (laughs) and maybe not would have been a good influence on Esteban. i'm not saying that i'm not pro kidnapping here but like it kind of goes to show that the legal uh you know whoever legally has that child it's like well all the there are all these like forces in the child's life who are so so positive even if they're not kind of legally connected to him Mm -hmm. like like uh manuela like huma like uh, the friend's name, who I can't remember. Agrado. Agrado. Thank you.
1: It's really lovely. That's the official media literate stance. Kidnap more children. There you I go.
2: What I like about this movie, too, is that it's just like motherhood in, in various forms, where if we think about the original Esteban, who died in the beginning of the film, in a sense, he has two mothers, his um Uh, mother Manuela who has been there for him and who sacrificed everything for him or rather was willing to sacrifice everything for him and then there's um, his other mother Lola who was not aware of his existence at all until the very end of the film Um, and then of course there's like grandmothers who um, I think in in Almodovar's movies like in general tend to not he doesn't tend to have a favorable light to them which is probably another reason why i like his movies because i um
1: uh go on you feel (laughs) about your grandmother Uh, daniela
2: i'm not i don't feel a particular connection to any of my grandmas Mm,
1: Uh, that was the most diplomatic way you could have said that given the (laughs) beginning of that sentence uh
2: yeah like the grandma in in uh in this movie doesn't There's at one point, um, Manuela's kind of narrating um, through a voiceover that she says that when, like if the baby had a cut, the grandmother didn't want to be anywhere near the baby because she thought, the grandma thought she was going to get AIDS from the baby. And so it was like this really like not favorable view of an older generation, which I think he's kind of softened um, in his later work, especially through, in Julieta, um, uh, which was the first, Moldovar movie that I saw with my mom in theaters specifically, where the mother loses contact with her daughter, and it's sort of like this kind of looking at the how different generations kind of like grow through motherhood. And then, specifically in Parallel Mothers, where you see Penelope Cruz, who's pregnant as um, a woman in her early 40s, mm. and then this younger woman who's, I think, in the movie, like in her late teens, early 20s is also pregnant so like we see like these different generations of mothers kind of like learning how to mother and Mm. a major theme being guilt um even like in his early work to his now work um guilt seems to be like really prevalent um and then again something that I also like there's this guilt with women who bear children like this guilt to need to love your children but what if you don't necessarily feel a connection with your child or mm-hmm. this guilt like once you have your child you're like oh my god I brought you into this fucked up world or this other guilt where you feel like you're not um this one's for you mom Carmen um it's this guilt of feeling that you're a bad mother even mm-hmm. though you know mom you're not but like a lot of a <laughs> I was gonna of-
1: say this one's for you mom <laughs> feeling like you're a bad mother <laughs>
2: um like there's just like this insane amount of guilt with having yeah. children that is not talked about which i think on all the shows and his movies whether or not it's blatant
0: mm-hmm. um
2: is very much there
0: yeah um, i mean you know sometimes you're just laurie metcalf and you get stuck with a ladybird child and sometimes <laughs> that blows but
1: fucking swara Ronan. yeah <laughs> okay
2: um you're baiting me Kim I know it.
0: <laughs> but I think this kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning we were talking all about our mothers where it's like you know at some point you realize like your mom is human and not perfect but you know and if you have a child one day uh whatever gender you are like you're not going to be perfect but like we're all human here and it's a really really beautiful difficult terrible thing (laughs) to you know have a child and raise it and that's you know something that i think we can all honor you know call your mom (laughs) tell her you love her or don't maybe you don't have that relationship that's fine i don't want to pressure anybody
1: (laughs) don't call your mom (laughs) yep i'm gonna go call my mom now media literate is a collaborative podcast Produced by Colton Elsie, Sebastian Wertzreiner, Laura Broman, Kim Henry, Julia Rose Camus, and Julia Elizabeth Evans. This episode was edited by Charlotte Skerlock. Our theme music is Soft Feeling by Cheel, and our logo was created by Julia.